Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am incredibly excited that you guys are here with us today because we have a guest who's going to be talking about an area that is near and dear to my heart that I think is the difference between people who stay stuck and plateau at a certain level and then the other people who seem to just sort of like effortlessly get to the next level after the next level after the next level. And so we'll introduce our guest in just a moment. But I think I see him coming in into the studio on his white noble steed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. The one, the only Mr. Dean Holland. (laughs) There we go. I've arrived. How are you doing, James? You never sound out of breath. I wish for once, like you'd actually play along and just be like, oh man, I'm tired. I'm exhausted from that horse ride. James, you don't have a steed and run yourself. That's true. So you're just it's just an effortless ride into the studio yeah, on your steed. Risk effortless ride. You know, yeah. I barely break a sweat. See, this shows how much I know about right. steeds. You have lack of experience in the steed riding ability. <laughs> I do. <laughs> lack of experience that you make up for in spades, which is why you're my co-host. Exactly. You've got it. When I was looking for a co-host, most people don't know this. I was, you know, there were a lot of people who want to do this with me. <laughs> and and uh, one of my criteria was that you had to have, you know, an extensive history of riding a steed and make it look like it was no work. And so Dean was the obvious choice, even though I would have, you know, kind of cut him for a variety of other reasons. That thing was pretty important to me. Well, and, and as a listener of this show, you know when it started with this much crap that it can only get better from here. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So let's welcome our guest to the show, Joe Trodden, who is an expert at mindset and in particular mindset for a very specific stage of entrepreneurial growth. Joe, it's amazing to have you on the show today. Welcome. It's amazing to have you here. Sorry, I didn't bring the horse. The equestrian element of the show was not highlighted to me. Uh, but it's great yeah. to be here. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, we are the number one podcast in uh, equestrian shows as well. Are, am I not mistaken about that, Dean? Yeah, I think we had that notification just the other day, right? We really come up in the ranks there. Yeah, we really have. Arguably the best equestrian podcast in the world. <laughs> right. Some people do refer to us as the horse and the hound. Yes, so. and some people refer to you as the horse's ass. But we'll continue <laughs> moving on with the show. Yes. How are you doing, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Are you regretting your decision yet to be here or are you still with <laughs> No, you're, you're my kind of people. We're all right. <laughs> that scares so, me, but at the same time excites me. This is fun. That's exactly It is terrifying to hear that we're your kind of people. I don't know what that says about you. Let's get into it. So, Joe, you dedicated your focus to helping entrepreneurs who have passed sort of that initial traction stage of growth and are looking to get to the next level and you approach things from a completely different perspective than most people, you say that there's a massive amount of inward growth that needs to happen in order to become who you need to become. Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, sure. So I've worked with entrepreneurs, like hundreds of entrepreneurs through accelerators, um, at all sorts of different stages. And the niche that I specialize in is the guys who are past that startup stage are probably a couple of years in. Um, they've got that traction. And now there's a shift really from being an entrepreneur to an entrepreneurial leader. And what I find at that stage is, I, I don't know how it works in the States, but there's a lot of support to sort of test an idea, you know, like lean methodology, stuff like that. But yeah. then that sort of inflection point becomes really confusing because now it's about, well, how to actually lead the team, but I don't want to let go of all these other functions I'm doing in my business. That chaotic strategy of let's just take every opportunity, that isn't working for me now either. And now I'm totally overwhelmed and I don't know mm. where to focus and I'm not sure what to do next. So what I do with them is I have looked at you know hundreds of strategic frameworks and I'm almost saying to people, here's the 10 pages of this book that is relevant to you. Here's the mm. thing that's going to help you right now. But in order to create a strategy, you've got to have a deeper look at yourself and really confront the fears that you've got and to leverage what I call superpowers, which are these unique abilities that you have, which are the things that are going to take your business up to the next level. Yeah, Dean, I uh, I made the comment before we jumped on the show here that I feel like Joe is like my brother from another mother. Right. And and as Joe was speaking there, I'm like, I'm not going to have much to say on this show, am I? You two are just really going to lead the way. But uh, <laughs> no, this is uh, I'm excited to hear this. This this is your passion for your side of things, James, infects me, though. So I, I feel like I can definitely play the role of the little brother here, of, of course. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So, Joe, I don't know about you, but I know my extreme interest in this particular area of business was from my own situation. At least that's how it started. Was there something similar that happened for you on your journey or were you just sort of blessed with this knowledge from the get-go? <laughs> yeah. Well, what it was was, you know, working in the accelerator and seeing like so many different entrepreneurs, you could see where their strengths are. You know, when it comes to superpowers, which are like these, you know, your natural strengths to leverage, it's a lot easier sometimes to identify them in other people. You know, you're looking at them going, yeah. why do you not use that more? You know, because people take mm. them for granted. So when I was seeing so many different entrepreneurs try to do so many different things, it was really clear that instead of going, here is the, you know, the, the sort of the 10 things that you need to do to be an amazing entrepreneur. Actually, you need to do two of those and then find somebody that's going to do the other things or accept that you're going to do those other eight things really badly and not beat yourself up about it until you get the opportunity to bring those people in. So this is what I mean about like the strategic approach for that. So I think it was peaked primarily from seeing it so frequently in other people and also exploring my own mindset and really trying to understand more and more about myself and where what my place is in the world. You know, Where am I adding the most value? One of the things that you talk about is this idea that there's a gap between startup and scaling called no man's land. Yeah. What are the signs for an entrepreneur that they are currently stuck in no man's land? They feel like they are living Groundhog Day. You know, there was this sort of exciting time. And look, the, the startup stage is, is not easy. You know, depending on the particular mindset that you've got, if you can't handle, you know, the chaos and the rejection and the constant iterations, and some people can't at that point, that's really tough on some people's heads. But this kind of like, let's take every opportunity and see what works and but then you end up sort of, you're the one that's delivering all the time. You've got that product market fit, but you just can't see how am I supposed to grow? 
And it's no good just saying, well, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, but I'll, you know, I'll scale the operation as it stands because you can't just scale yourself. You know, unless you've got a cloning machine, and even then it wouldn't be very effective. Like you really need to readdress what is the right strategic approach to prepare me for scale, if indeed that's what I want. You know, scale is another one of those confusing words that like, what's growth? What's scale? What do people really want? The key identifier in my clients is they come to me and go, I know this can be more than it is. And I just don't know how to do that. Hmm. What do you think are the beliefs that entrepreneurs have at that stage that keep them stuck? Because I read a quote a really long time ago. Honestly, it changed the course of my life. Sure. And it said, the world you live in is shaped by the beliefs you have. And sure. if you change your beliefs, you'll change your world. I still believe that's true. And so anytime you know there's something that's holding me back or I see something holding somebody else back, it always comes down to believing something to be true that's not necessarily true. So what do you think are the beliefs that these entrepreneurs at this stage of growth have that are the untrue beliefs that they need to let go of? One of the beliefs is that if I take my foot off the sort of the delivery operational mechanism for five seconds, my business will collapse. You know, that if I am not like doing this 16 hours a day every day the same way that I'm doing it, that it's not going to work. If that is genuinely the case, then you probably don't have the right business model there anyway. But like being able to pull themselves away and think strategically is quite hard. I think there's also a belief that they're not going to find the right help. I'm not working with them at the startup and I'm not working at them, you know, with 50 employees or whatever. I'm talking about a very specific intervention and it can be really challenging trying to find like who is the right person. And I'm not the right person for everybody, even at that stage, you know, you have to be a particular person for what I do to work. But I think there is that people can be a bit advice worn, I guess, you know, a bit sort of weary of, will I even be able to find the right help? One other thing I would say is there's a real fear of losing what they have. You know, that if they don't just keep doing it the way that they have been doing it, that it's not going to work. You know, the fear of loss is quite acute. You know, there's a real problem when you, you bring people in at that point that aren't as good as you are at the thing you're bringing them in to do because you're the, you know, you're the entrepreneur and you're really good at doing this thing and you can't hire maybe that A player that you need to at that stage. So you're. Uh, fearful of, you know, I'll bring this person in and they're going to be an overhead and a headache. Like you really have to shift your leadership mindset around. That's a big part of what I do with clients, how they're actually going to find that leadership identity. Do you encounter much resistance speaking of mindset rather than like the tactical side of things at this stage with people? The problem with mindset now, it's just one of those words, there's no common meaning for it. Mm. So mindset, sometimes you talk about it and it's like, you know, oh yeah, you mean like one of those quotes on Instagram, <laughs> you know, just be sort of positive. And like when I'm talking about mindset, I'm talking about every cognitive function that's going on inside your head that is shaping your entire perception and lens on the world. I'm talking about everything that is making you, you, not just, oh, today's going to be a good day. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about your lens on the world, everything that's going on in your wiring um, that's led to that point. So what is interesting is that there are people that when I talk about mindset, they know that that's something that they want to look at. And this is what I mean if I'm, a client's got to be right for me. They have to want to look at themselves. Right. If they come to me and they're just like, I want to increase sales, I'm not the guy. Go and get a sales coach. 
you know, if you want your marketing to be better, like go and get a marketing person. Go and get the support from the person who's going to help you to do what you want to do. I'm talking about a fundamental change in the person. The reason that we have to do strategy at the same time is because without a context to do that leveling up in, it becomes a thought experiment. So I'm not going to tell them how to do the marketing, for example, but we're going to talk about how important it is that they step out of the shadows and actually own this and who's going to help them shape their message. What do those campaigns look like? And again, this is all about like what's the superpower they've got to leverage that identity. I think Dean's question is a really good one because there does seem to be a reluctance for people to th- believe that it could be as simple as changing the way that they think about things. A lot of people think, oh man, if I just, you know, I just run this awesome Facebook ad strategy that I saw, if I get more <laughs> YouTube ads, or if I get more, you know, visitors to my blog, or like whatever. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important, but they're an incomplete piece of the puzzle. And sometimes I feel like all those things are like, you know, the the dessert and the candy, and that's what everybody gravitates towards. And mindset is like vegetables and vitamins and working out. And people are like, ah, like, I don't know if I want to do that, even though it's the right thing. Yeah, right. This fundamental, I don't know if it just needs another word, you know, because I'm talking about all this cognitive function, the way that your neurons are wired in your head. You know, there's a hundred trillion potential connections in your head, which if you put dollar bills end to end would stretch from here to Saturn and back six times. So that network is huge and it is fused in a particular way that gives you certain advantages if you become aware of them. But if you're just on autopilot all the time, if you're not actually looking at what's going on in your head and how you're actively shaping your own perception of the world, then how are you going to lead a team effectively? How are you going to take the right opportunities? How are you going to become a great communicator? You know, there's just all of these elements around you as a leader that go beyond the tactical elements. I'm not doing the tactical elements down at all. They are, you know, fundamentally important. Of course they are. But we're talking about your leadership and how you are going to do it is very, very bespoke to you. If you look at all the hugely successful people, they are world-class at like one thing. You know, they have a style that they are very aware of, and that's what gets them to the top. Yeah. Dean, I feel like we need some tips. What do you think? I think it generally is a theme along the show. So I think we're ready to go in. Let's go in. So Joe, what strategies would you have? So let's just say I completely buy into what you're talking about. And I actually do. This sure. is something that I fully, fully believe. Buying into his philosophies, James. <laughs> <laughs> actually, hold on. On a side note here, I want to ask you a question. Joe, and maybe you've got your own opinions about this. Mm-hmm. I found out recently, you know the Charles Dickens story, Christmas Carol? Are you familiar sure. with that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And you know the character in there, Ebenezer Scrooge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he was yeah. Scottish. I recently found out that my co-host, Dean Holland, has much more in common with Ebenezer than I thought. All right. um, <laughs> it, it turns out he won't allow his wife to decorate for Christmas until very, very close to the holidays. <laughs> okay. And I'm just curious from your perspective, and you know, everybody can have an opinion on this. When is the right time to start putting up the Christmas tree? Oh, mate, you know, I'm so hyper functional. I will not, there'll, there'll be nothing. Don't even put a Christmas decoration up, yes. man. Yeah. Um, this did not go the way I, James was hoping. Yeah. It did not I, go the way. However, I think we're going to end however, the show right now. No, however, what I would say is you have to understand other people's perspectives. So whoever it is the most important to, you know, if somebody really <laughs> loves Christmas and wants to put the stuff up, 
what's the harm? Do you know, what's the harm in just getting the stuff up? But there's not even a shred of tinsel in this flat. Um, <laughs> okay, so if we're having this conversation, I'm going to dive in on it a second, right? So, yeah, let's do so this. So we, in our house, we have a real chunky, dopey English bulldog. And we also have a cat that likes to destroy things and is chased mm. and scared off by said bulldog. Now, the cat has yep. this obsession with climbing from the center of the Christmas tree up through the top of the Christmas tree. So the sooner that tree appears and is decorated in our home, <laughs> the faster it's destroyed. So this isn't a yep. case of Ebenezer Scrooge over here. This is a case of preservation to make it to Christmas. <laughs> so it's a defense it's mechanism. It's a defense mechanism. It is literally a case of we only have two weeks until this tree has to be thrown in the garbage. Like so it's like you can either put it up at the beginning of December and we need to get a new one before then and do all this work again. <laughs> yeah. Or we can just wait till we get a little closer and have these nice Christmas photographs nearer the time with a tree that still <laughs> resembles Christmas and not something I just dragged out of the field at the side of me. I could picture that tree, you know, completely shredded to pieces. Yes. <laughs> you guys in front of your Christmas jumpers. You know, but Merry Christmas from the most Spartan wood in the world. <laughs> Okay, there's there's a few factors going on there. Right. I, I don't want to, I don't want to cause any problems in the the home there, Dean. So uh, I don't I don't mind know. causing problems. I'm okay <laughs> causing problems. Which I did not hear that side of the story uh, when this was really asked me. for my side of the story. Well, I just said this is why I'm giving you an opportunity to tell me your side of the story. Well, I appreciate your opportunity there, and I hope I've justified my Scrooge-like ways. <laughs> yes, you have. Uh, it's a very practical consideration. Thank you. Although. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe you could get two trees. Let the cat destroy one, then put up the next one. But <laughs> well, that's a you know, that's view. and based on your that is I've view. understood and I've heard your side of your point of view, and I'm going to tune it out now. Which, <laughs> which reminds me of one of my favorite quotes: "says No matter how thin you slice something, there's always two sides to it." Nice. And so, uh, getting back into you know, kind of these strategies and talking about people's superpowers and weaknesses and things like that. I brought it up kind of to cause, cause some trouble. But I also brought it up to generate a point that there are multiple perspectives on every given situation. Sure. And the strategies that you're talking about yield a new perspective on growth. And so what I want to know is like, what are some of the core strategies that help people actually make this transition that they need to make? Just to pick up on a, a quick point that you made, that a side benefit of understanding your superpowers is a a deeper appreciation of other people's because it no longer becomes about there is one smart and there is one way of being right. You know, it totally opens up your world to the value of other perspectives because it doesn't mean that you are wrong or stupid or bad. You know, it just completely opens up your perspective on problems and you value other people's opinions rather than debating which one is exactly right or wrong. Very powerful. If you look at uh, things that people can do, if you look at you know tips, for example, people should go and look at the the state of flow, um, which is when you are completely connected to the thing that you are doing. This is where you are energized, where you are completely focused, where time distorts. You know, a five minutes feels like an hour, an hour feels like five minutes, because it's those moments that you are actually using the height of your superpowers. Uh, you can go and look at Stephen Kotler's work on flow. You don't need to read the whole book, I don't think, but the you know just the, his blogs and things like that. So if you were to reflect on those moments when you feel focused, energized, time distortion, 
that's a good way to start looking at superpowers. So for example, the state of flow yep. that uh, that Dean's wife Robin might feel when she's decorating the Christmas tree. 100%. <laughs> and maybe this is true. And maybe this is an indicator of her creativity. Mm. You know, and whatever artistic ability that is, maybe she's really good visuospatially. It tends to be that the activity is an indicator of a deeper superpower. That could well be the example. <laughs> if your guys are new to mindset, I really recommend a Myers Briggs test. It's easy to take that and just go, "Oh yeah, I'm a bit like that." But if you if you look at that and you you know really start to explore some of the strengths around that and how they're applying to your business in terms of the way you're making your decisions, the way you're communicating, the way that you're interacting with people, you know, that's that's a really powerful indicator of these key strengths. It's almost creepy that you brought that up because how long have I been talking about I'm that? Like, I'm sitting back, I'm like, is this James's Scottish brother, like actually <laughs> related here? Like, what is going on? This is like having a conversation with James. We actually don't even have a guest today, Dean. I've just perfected. <laughs> My Scottish accent, and I'm just talking to myself. I thought there was an echo on your microphone. You've just got two laptops open on your desk. Yeah, that's all it is. That's exactly right. So uh, believe it or not, Joe, Dean and I have the exact same Myers-Briggs type. Is that right? What yeah. is that? What, are you ENFP, maybe? No, ENTJ. ENTJ. All right, cool. Yeah, both of us. We're, we're cold, heartless bastards. <laughs> I got the EN, then I was like, a podcast F. Yeah, cool. Well, 23 minutes into yeah. knowing each other, it wasn't a bad guess, was it? It wasn't a bad 50%, guess. 50%. 50% yeah. was a risk. <laughs> Hypervigilance is a little bit of the mindfulness thing, but it's really just sort of stepping out of a moment and asking yourself, like, what is really going on here and how do I feel? Now, the ability to do that is massively, massively powerful when you are feeling overwhelmed, when you're in the middle of a difficult conversation. Like, that's when it's at its hardest, when your emotions kick in then it's much harder to kind of pull yourself into what's really going on in this moment. But even if they were to set an alarm, which is a good way to sort of practice that as a habit, like something that maybe goes off at half 11 and just gets you to check in with how you feel. You know, how do you feel at the moment? What are you really thinking? What are you worried about? Because when you can actually do that in a conversation and pull back and go like, what's going on here? You know, how's that other person feeling? How am I feeling? What's happening in this interaction? You know, it'll change the course of conversations. And that's a really powerful leadership trait. So hypervigilance, just check in with yourself, you know, step outside of the moment and say, what is going on here? Um, that is so powerful. I agree with the power of that. And I think for me, that's that's one of those things that at least at the outset seem much easier said than done. Mm. Do you have any sort of tactics on, you know, how to create that trigger for yourself so that you remember to do it? Do you know, this is why I'm saying like set the alarm to practice it because it took a long, and I still don't get it right. You know, there's still moments where I walk away and go, oh, you know, I just let that moment go. But the trigger for me is where I feel that there's, I'm about to get defensive. You know, I'll have this little physiological trigger in me and I'll go, what's doing that? And it's probably something in my ego or I'm, you know, debating some point or whatever. Or somebody's calling you Ebenezer Scrooge or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, but it's the, if you look at Myers-Briggs and you've got like a J type, you know, you're pretty black and white about stuff and you want absolute, you know, like the right answer. So sometimes it can be pressing for that. But I can feel a physiological response, but it's only through practicing it for years I've managed to get to that. But again, what I bring it up just to raise that awareness of going, 
Like, see when you can do that. See when you do that in a conversation and you notice you're doing it and you change the, the way the conversation's going, you'll feel awesome. Like, it's, it's a really cool thing. So start by just putting a trigger down there, like an alarm on your phone, just to check in with yourself and then try it. See if you can do it in one of your conversations. And in the workplace, I mean, do you suggest doing that with yourself during, you know, between meetings? Like, like what happens if the alarm goes off during the meeting? Well, I mean, just, just use your, your common sense if it's going to be awkward for that alarm to go off. But what I would say is in that meeting, set your intention before you go in. Set your intention to go, see at some point in this meeting, about 10 minutes in, I'm going to make a note to myself to just check in and go like, step outside this moment and say, what's going on? What do I think is happening in this room in terms of the dynamic? What's being said? What's not being said? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? Yeah, just just set yourself a reminder to do that. Dean, I feel like a lot of these things are super fundamental, important principles and strategies Mm. that so many people overlook or take Mm -hmm. for granted their simplicity. What do you think? I think, you know, just just as I was listening to to you then, Joe, saying that, I think for me, the big thing that's standing out is actually taking progressive action, positive action to becoming more consciously aware of what's going on. I think like one of the things that, that I can definitely say in myself is like, it's very easy to forget that. It's very easy to just get mm. consumed and wrapped up in the day-to-day and what you're actually doing and never actually take the time to step back. You know, I think the same happens with people with all kinds of emotions. Like people get frustrated, people get angry, people get lost, people get confused and they never actually step back to take control of that state, right? And I guess, yep, yep. you know, what I'm sort of taking away from what you're saying here is in all different scenarios, start actually setting the intention to become aware of actually what's going on in those moments. Don't just let those moments... You know, it's almost like you can imagine an analogy of like looking through a window at yourself. You know, it's like you've got to sort of step back and take note of actually what's going on with you, what's going on with your surroundings, what's going on in those moments. And I think you do. I think you're absolutely right that that has to become an intention you set. Because if you don't, it won't be that you just forget and think, oh, I forgot to do that. It will be you're just not aware that you're not doing it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. If you know yourself at that deeper level, so like I say, I know the things that trigger me, like that J-type, I always want to close the loop. Do you know, I always want a decision. There is a right and a wrong. I'm an INTJ. So, you know, there's always like nah. a master plan. And like, because I know certain things about me and how I think and what my triggers are, when I take that step back, I can go, yeah, Joe, it's because you're trying to force a solution. Or the, the reason this is going off track is because you're so N in terms of your abstract communication, which is a, a trademark of, of ends at times, that you've lost that audience. You're talking too much now and giving them too much detail or too much information. Like I said, I don't always get that right. But when you know yourself, then when you do take that step back, you can really properly evaluate the situation. So just out of interest, knowing that you are such a pro at this stuff, Has there not really been a a moment throughout this last 30 minutes where you've stepped back and thought, what the heck am I doing here? (laughs) There were a couple of moments where I thought, I'm talking too much. (laughs) Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I think we could be here for many more hours. (laughs) I think one of the things that is really interesting to me about this that I've been diving into this for several years now was the general belief and awareness that there are at any given time, multiple valid perspectives. And my perspective is not any more valid than anybody else's. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's very true. And knowing that, I think, becomes the framework and the foundation 
for becoming a good leader and getting the most out of other people, but not getting the most out of them in terms of like, oh man, I'm like wringing them dry. Yeah, yeah, it means mean. like getting the most out of them in, in terms of like helping them become the best versions mm-hmm. of themselves that they can possibly be. I found that incredibly inspiring, but also insanely productive as well, mm-hmm. because you have the opportunity to serve as a leader and help other people shine in their area if you're looking for how to help them do that. If you want to read something amazing on that, uh, I don't know if you read Rebel Ideas by uh, Matthew Syed. I have not, but it's now going on my list. You should read that because he's talking about cognitive diversity, which is basically, in my opinion, the only diversity that matters. Now, sometimes that is based on you know somebody's background or whatever else, but the principle of cognitive diversity is that diversity of thought and the value of that. The quick example was when they had the Everest disaster in 96. And before they went up, the leader, Rob Hall, said, okay, when we're on the mountain, I don't want anybody to debate any of my decisions. You know, what I say is the law. Now, he's done that for the right reasons. But what he did then was when things started to go wrong, all the diverse brilliance that was on his team felt they shouldn't speak up. You've told us this now. Okay, so we'll do everything the way that you want to do it. And you're Mm -hmm. right. And that's what cost loads of people... God, that's a bit of a heavy one to finish on, but that's what cost people their lives on that day because he didn't fully allow them to explore the value of that cognitive diversity, particularly in a tight spot. That book is amazing. Like every, every leader should uh, read that book and talk about that openly with their team. It's fantastic. That's awesome. In wrapping up, Joe, where can people go to find out more about your work and dive deeper into down this never-ending rabbit hole with you? (laughs) I know. I'm merciless about it. Oh, and another thing. And here's another thing about mindset. I don't see that as a bad thing. I mean, I think there's infinite distinctions that you can make Mm. when you start looking at how people operate and how they think and how they work together. At the end of the day, you know, a business or an organization of any kind is just a collection of people, right? That's all it is aiming towards a common goal. And the better you can understand how all those interaction points work and how to get the most out of everybody, the more effortless it is to create results. And who are your customers? Well, they're other people, right? Everything that we do has to tie back with interacting and dealing with people. So I think this is literally one of the most important topics that you can study and learn. Well, I'm going to have to check this uh, genetic tree here because yeah, we're so aligned. There's something freaky going on. There's a whole other podcast about that, but you are right. The problem and the greatest opportunity we have is the teams. You know, really maximizing diversity of the teams. But yeah, like I say, that's a whole that's a whole other hour. We need to catch up about that, James. If people are interested in what I'm doing, I am on www.mindsetexperts.co.uk. There is actually a free course people can take on superpowers that will um, just introduce that topic, get them thinking about it, if that is something they want to explore further. And the 12-week program that I offer is for that stage of entrepreneur who is a bit like, we've got this growth, a bit of traction. Now I just feel like I'm not sure what's going on anymore. I know that there's more potential here. I just don't know how to level it up. So over the 12 weeks, we really look at the mindset, some of the things we've discussed, and also sharpening up that strategy so they've got clear milestones and objectives going forward. So that's on www.mindsetexperts.co.uk. And I'm also fairly active on LinkedIn uh, if people want to connect there. Awesome. Dean, any parting shots before we go? 
just to say thanks to you, Joe. It's been absolutely awesome. And like you say, this is uh, I'm sure this is something we could have many shows around. So we should definitely have you back and, and dive more into this sometime. Yeah, cool. I'd love to do that. Yeah. And just for what it's worth, when the cat does destroy the Christmas tree, I'd like a picture of that. Yeah, me too. Right. <laughs> me too. I want on that mailing list. You know, in fact, how much would it take for you to put the, put those decorations up now and you could just give us a daily photo of it gradually being destroyed? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like a time lapse yeah. of the Christmas tree being yeah, destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. If that's a, a subscription service pointing at the camera 24 hours a day live streaming. <laughs> that would be so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put the link to that time lapse in the show notes for this one. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, Joe, so much for being here. For you guys that are interested in checking out what Joe's up to, go to mindsetexperts.co.uk. And in the meantime, we will talk with you guys on our next show. That's it for us. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.